0: All right, we're going to go into the National Armory gun range. Hey, Dan. Hey, how's it going? Man? Good, how are you? Wash well, my hands real quick. No problem. Hey, Carrie cut. Nice to meet you. This is Bruno, our photographer. CBS Miami photographer Bruno Giglio and I recently spent part of a morning at the National Armory gun store and gun range in Pompano Beach, Florida. We wanted to talk to a person in the firearms industry about how the gun issue has changed since the murder of 17 students and staff at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland in February 2018. That's where we met with Dan Ferris. In this episode of Parkland, one year later, we explore how the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School influenced the debate over guns in this country and
1: what has changed since February 14th. My name is Dan Ferris. I'm the Chief Operations Officer for uh, Gunway Holdings. I'm also the General Manager um, of National Armory. Dan
0: Ferris is, pardon the pun, A straight shooter. Gun laws aren't going to fix it. For each gun rights talking point you'd expect to hear from someone in his position.
1: People that say that, that support it, are going to not like that comment from me. He'll also toss out some thoughts that
0: might make some gun
1: owners cringe. But I think if you have have a concealed weapons permit, you should have to do at least a uh, a yearly or every two-year qualification.
0: He's honest and thoughtful, and he spoke with us at length about the gun business post-Parkland.
1: What's changed from your business perspective? since 214. Well since the Perkland shooting what we have noticed is that there's a lot more training requests. Um, people want to actually learn about weapons. Um, they want to learn about the AR-15s. Um, they want to they want to know what these things are that they've been scared of their entire life which was brought into their living rooms um, due to the acts the heinous acts of an individual, Sources confirmed to CBS 4 News that confessed gunman Nicholas Cruz planned a more deadly rampage. Cruz
0: tried to reload after changing clips when his AR-15 jammed. The investigation into the Parkland shooting revealed that Nicholas Cruz legally purchased and used the popular AR-15, a semi-automatic rifle, during his killing spree in Parkland. Reporting by USA Today shows it's the same weapon used by other recent mass shooters.
2: The latest on the deadly shooting at an elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut, the Sandy Hook School, and it is turning out to be worse than anyone could have imagined.
0: Ferris says the gun has a legitimate purpose.
1: You know, I know people that shoot that hunt with AR-15s.
0: Others, however, think the AR-15 should be reserved for the military.
3: I believe that um, an AR-15, an assault rifle, needs to be totally taken out of the hands of a civilian. My name is Linda Beagle Shulman. I'm the mother of Scott J. Beagle.
0: Linda Beagle's son, Scott, was a geography teacher at Stoneman Douglas. He was murdered on February 14th. I spoke with Linda a few months ago at a community service event for Scott in North Lauderdale. We talked about her pursuit of gun control. What has that effort been like for you?
3: I, I would not even call it an effort. I would call it a mission. That's like my mission. What had happened was after Scott was murdered, Um, I decided that um, reasonable gun control legislation was something that was um, needed more than anything else. Um, It was ridiculous. The whole thing was absolutely ridiculous that a a 19-year-old who couldn't buy a beer in Florida could um, buy an AR-15 assault rifle. It was crazy. The disparity between this belief. An AR-15 and assault rifle needs to be totally taken out of the hands of a civilian. And this one. Gun laws aren't going to fix it.
0: Proves again the wide divide on the issue of guns. In this episode, we'll look at efforts to change gun laws, like the gun law passed in Florida right after the shooting, something many thought could never happen in this state. We'll also look at grassroots efforts to change policies and the impact of the tragedy on the NRA. We'll also discuss some of the laws and changes that activists are pushing for now. And here's what I think you'll learn. That many of the substantive changes in gun laws are happening on the state level at this point. On a federal level, there hasn't been much movement. I think you'll also learn that many of the families of the Parkland victims continue to be as invested and involved in the effort to reduce gun violence as they were in the days and weeks after the tragedy. And one thing is certain: Parkland provided a turning point in the gun debate, and the conversation about guns has not been the same since. It is a story of student protests and walkouts.
1: We're out here um, fighting for gun reform, gun control,
0: politics. It's called concealed carry, where a teacher would have a concealed gun on them. They'd go for special training. And parents of victims making their voices heard, like Andy Pollock, whose daughter Meadow so, oh, died at Stoneman pass, Douglas. You know I mean? People that uh, that just want to blame the gun. That's just a deflection of really what happened. And Manny Oliver whose son Joaquin was murdered at the school.
4: We need to control the access to guns the same way that we control the access to cars, the same way that we control um,
0: purchasing um, tobacco. In the days following the Parkland shooting, the calls grew loud for some form of gun control.
5: At this point, if uh, those legislators aren't with us, they're against us, and they're okay with seeing innocent children killed, so we're going to be voting them out. It's as simple as that.
0: Student activists took their cause to Tallahassee
3: everybody here from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas the never again movement the March for our lives movement we are here because of you guys because everybody here is supporting us
6: while students from Parkland are getting support from their peers they're facing some obstacles at the Capitol the house already voted to not allow discussion on an ASSAULT weapon ban
7: 36 8, 71, 8, Mr.
0: and they watched as legislators refused to even debate a measure to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in Florida. Meanwhile, the families of the Parkland victims quickly realized that they needed to walk a fine line on the gun
6: issue. It's a nonpartisan issue, safety. Safety, safety. I'm Tony Montalto, and I'm the father of Gina Rose Montalto. She was a 14-year-old freshman on February 14th of 2018, and she was tragically killed at her school in Parkland, Florida on that day.
0: Tony Montalto is the president of Stan with Parkland. That's the group created by the families of the victims in the wake of the Parkland shooting. They advocate not for gun control, instead for responsible firearms ownership. Can you talk about the evolution of that in terms of, you know, how you arrived at this is what we're going to go after? This is what we're going to look for, because it could be a very divisive It is conversation. And you guys have have threaded that needle, it seems like.
6: When you say the word guns, it's very divisive. Uh, Half the room stops listening to you, half the room, you know, cheers you on. Whatever, whichever way you're going. So, we've chosen to call them firearms. We've chosen to go with responsible firearms ownership because we believe that people should have the right to own weapons. We also believe that there's a responsibility with that. That there is a a need to be cautious when you're taking on that power.
0: And the parents of the Parkland victims scored a major change with the passage of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Act just weeks after the shooting.
8: Every student in Florida has a right to learn in a safe environment and every parent has a right to send their kids to school knowing that they will return safely at the end of the day.
0: The Parkland parents worked with Florida Governor Rick Scott and the Florida legislature to pass a bill that banned bump stocks, created risk protection orders that removed guns from people deemed dangerous, and raised the age to purchase a rifle in Florida.
1: The AR-15 is a semi-automatic rifle.
0: Dan Ferris, the guy from the gun store in Pompano Beach, told me that the last part has had a big impact.
1: Nobody's worried about it. Nobody's worried about losing their gun rights, when they should be. Why? Cause there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes that people don't know about. When they start taking away one thing, then the rest of it's coming down the pipe. Such as, wanna give me a window into that? What do you think? Absolutely, Um, Florida's great. Florida's a great example. In Florida, the law changed, it's not nationwide. Now this is only Florida. If you're under the age of 21, you can't buy a rifle. The Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Public Safety Act, right? You cannot buy a weapon if you're under the age of 21.
0: Ferris said that overall, gun sales are down. But he and other experts attribute that to having a Republican in the White House. They say it essentially removes the fear that a president will significantly restrict gun sales. But back to the MSD safety bill. The National Rifle Association was not happy with it.
9: The NRA says the new law violates the Second Amendment by
1: raising the age to buy guns from 18 to 21.
0: And the NRA filed suit to overturn the MSD bill. We reached out twice to the NRA to speak with them for this podcast. No one from the organization has gotten back to us. But in the days following Parkland, the NRA said a lot.
8: They hate the NRA. They hate the Second Amendment.
0: That's the head of the NRA, Wayne LaPierre, speaking at the Conservative Political Action Conference just about a week after the Parkland shooting. It was clear from his speech that the NRA would go on the offensive. LaPierre blamed Democrats and the media for demands on greater gun control and what he said was an attack on all freedoms.
8: They care more about control and more of it. Their goal is to eliminate the Second Amendment and our firearms freedoms so they can eradicate all individual freedoms. What they want are more restrictions on the law-abiding. Think about that. Their solution is to make you, all of you, less free. They want to sweep right under the carpet the failure of school security, the failure of family, the failure of
0: America's mental health system. And at a CNN town hall in South Florida, just eight days after the shooting.
8: I want to thank Dana Lash of the NRA and also Sheriff Scott Israel for being here to listen to your questions.
0: NRA spokesperson Dana Lash answered questions from families of the Parkland victims and from student activists. The NRA agreed that the confessed shooter should not have gotten a weapon and said laws needed to be tightened to take guns from dangerous people. The NRA focused instead on mental health issues and law enforcement failures, and they resisted calls to restrict firearm sales or to limit the availability of assault weapons.
2: I don't believe that this insane monster should have ever been able to obtain a firearm, ever. I do not think that he should have gotten his hands on any kind of weapon. That's number one. This individual was nuts, and I, nor the millions of people that I represent as a part of this organization that I'm here speaking for, none of us support people who are crazy, who are a danger to themselves, who are a danger to others, getting their hands on a firearm. This is what I'm talking about in terms of prevention and making sure that people who are dangerous should not have access to firearms without punishing law-abiding Americans who want to be able to have that same right to defend themselves.
9: I'm Fred Guttenberg. Jamie Guttenberg was my daughter. Um, She was murdered on February 14th here in Parkland, Florida at her school.
0: Fred Guttenberg says passing the MSD law in Florida not only proved to him the change was possible, but he believes it weakened the NRA.
9: Florida doesn't do gun safety, but we did, and now you have this NRA that was used to getting whatever they wanted, and realizing people are going to just take it on and they're going and, and not worry about the ramification.
0: The NRA continued to find itself in the crosshairs throughout the year, and its executive vice president, Wayne LaPierre, lashed out at critics in the wake of the Parkland shooting.
8: The opportunist wasted not one second to exploit tragedy for political gain.
0: And yet, in the month after one of the deadliest school shootings in American history, and with the nation consumed by arguments and discussions over gun control, the NRA managed to rake in record amounts of money. The Miami Herald reported that the group took in nearly $2.5 million from donors in March, the most it had raised in a single month since June 2003. But by the end of the year, the tables had turned. More than a dozen corporations, including Delta,
8: Airlines, Hertz, and the First National Bank of Omaha, say they're ending NRA member discounts and other perks in the wake of the school shooting. In a statement, the NRA calls that a shameful display of political and civic cowardice.
0: In fact, The Daily Beast reported that the NRA took in $55 million less than it had in 2017. Fred Guttenberg said one of his goals after the shooting was to target the NRA's funding.
9: For me, it was a big deal to see businesses taking on the lobby and saying, we're not afraid. And the NRA hasn't figured out yet how to deal with the money factor.
0: And there was more pressure on the gun industry from some well-known retailers, especially from Dick's Sporting Goods and Walmart.
9: The second major chain today to announce that it will not sell firearms to people under 21. Walmart says its decision is directly linked to the school shooting in Parkland. Earlier today, Dick's Sporting Goods also announced that people under the age of 21 will not be able to buy firearms at its stores.
0: Those stores announced plans right after the Parkland shooting to stop selling guns to people under 21. Fred Guttenberg was a big supporter of those decisions. And how crucial was that, do you think, to the domino that came later? It's,
9: it was tremendous. So two things happened within three weeks. Dick Sporting Goods, followed immediately by Walmart and other major retailers, and gun safety that got passed in Florida.
0: And then something even more visible happened that would capture the nation's attention and focus it on the gun issue.
5: Welcome to the revolution.
1: Bullets do not discriminate so why should we? We choose life.
2: Since the time that I came out here it has been six minutes and 20 seconds. The shooter has ceased shooting and will soon abandon his rifle. This is not a mere publicity stunt a single day in the span of history. This is a movement.
0: One of the biggest and most vocal and recognizable changes since Parkland has been March for Our Lives. That's the youth and student-driven movement that demanded action on guns. No one needs an AR-15. Those are meant to kill. This has no place in our our society as far as we're all concerned, and it needs to change.
6: We're here to protest, and we're here to make a change.
0: They held a massive march in Washington. They held rallies across the country and worked to register voters who would push for gun control measures. We tried to speak with members of the group for this podcast, but the group has decided to go dark for a few days, around the one-year mark since the shooting. It's hard to overstate the impact the student activists for Marjorie Stoneman Douglas had on bringing the gun issue to the forefront of the national conversation. In an interview on 60 Minutes less than a month after the shooting, they put the issue in stark terms.
3: I know I can't help but think. I think Sandy Hook happened. Those parents made it their life's mission to try to get some real change. What makes you think that you guys could do more, that you, this could be different.
0: The thing about it is that we are the generation that's had to be trapped in closets, waiting for police to come or waiting for a shooter to walk into our door. We are the people that know what it's like firsthand. We're the mass shooting generation.
3: That's, I, I was born- We're the mass shooting generation. I was born
0: months after Columbine. I'm 17 years old and we've had 17 years of mass shootings. 17 years of mass shootings. That message resonated. The March for Our Lives group inspired millions and created chapters of their organization across the country to maintain the momentum of their movement. And other gun control advocates say changes are happening on the state level across the U.S., and they believe a big part of the reason is Parkland.
7: We're actually feeling like we're really making some headway. My name is Laura Cataletta, and I'm the legal director for the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence.
0: I spoke with Laura Cutaletta from the Giffords Group. That's a group that gained prominence after the Arizona shooting in 2011 that left Representative Gabrielle Giffords injured. What's changed since Parkland on uh, February 14th of last year?
7: The thing that was most notable first, right after the shooting, was the action that was taken at the state level by state legislatures across the country. So, Florida immediately started talking about legislation and ultimately did pass a bill that included many provisions to strengthen gun laws in the state. And as the year progressed, we saw state after state after state enact strong gun violence prevention measures. All in all, 67 laws were passed in 26 states plus D.C. that strengthened gun laws across the country. Interestingly, 14 of those laws were signed by Republican governors. So we're seeing a bipartisan effort to make our community safer by strengthening gun laws.
0: How did what happened at Parkland, how did that impact or possibly change the conversation around guns?
7: I think it made the average person who maybe doesn't think about the daily carnage of gun violence on a regular basis. They are maybe aware that there's you know a lot of gun violence in our cities they might even be aware that america has a much higher rate of gun death than in other countries but they're not thinking about it top of mind and they're probably not in the past going into the voting booth thinking about gun violence and i think after parkland that really shifted people started demanding gun safety legislation from legislators they voted Based on, you know, according to exit polls, they voted based on gun violence prevention as one of the top issues they were concerned about. We saw Republican governors sign bills that strengthen gun laws. And so I think what shifted is that it became more of a bipartisan effort instead of these polarized sides of for or against gun safety.
0: Elsewhere across the country, there have been lawsuits over guns.
7: Families of two of the students killed in the
2: shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School want to sue the manufacturer of the gun used in the massacre.
0: Bans on assault weapons in a few cities. The Boulder City Council voted unanimously last night to ban assault weapons. And a ban on bump stock devices nationwide.
3: Sources tell CNN the Trump administration is preparing to officially ban bump stocks. Bump stocks allow semi-automatic weapons to fire rounds much quicker than usual. But
0: overall, on the federal level, there's been little movement on guns. No ban on assault weapons or high-capacity magazines, and no increase in the minimum age to buy semi-automatic weapons. That was an idea floated after the Parkland shooting by President Trump. We're talking about common sense, and it's a great thing. And the NRA will, will back it. But that idea went nowhere. President Trump established a federal commission on school safety after Parkland. However, the commission mostly stayed away from gun issues. They did look at raising the age for gun purchases, but ultimately the commission did not recommend raising the age, and here's why. The commission said their research showed that raising the age to buy a gun does not significantly reduce the number of homicides, suicides, or unintentional deaths. But it's still important to ask, where do most school shooters get their guns? The commission said that Nicholas Cruz, notwithstanding, it's usually not through legal means. It's usually from family and friends.
5: People that own guns need to be responsible and they need to secure those weapons so that, uh, you know, these, these individuals that want to commit mass murder at school can't access those weapons.
0: That's Max Schachter, whose son Alex was murdered at Stoneman Douglas. Max told me he wants to see legislation to demand that
5: gun owners safely store their weapons. 55% of the school mass shootings that took, have taken place in the United States, um, the, the individuals that committed these murders got their guns from their parents or their relatives. So um, I am hoping that we have a safe storage legislation because I know that if these individuals would not have been able to get those guns, 110 people would still be alive today, and over 200 people would not be injured. And that's similar to something Dan Ferris, the gun
0: store guy from Pompano Beach told me. Well, what do people on the gun control side get wrong about gun ownership and about gun owners?
1: They're not willing to listen. It's also the same sign on our side. They're not willing to listen. People need the responsible gun owners. They, we absolutely do, okay? We absolutely have to have a common ground.
0: He says responsible firearms ownership is a necessity.
1: I've always owned a weapon, and it's never caused an issue in my home. Okay. I've always kept them locked up. I've always kept, I always have one. I have, I always carry one. Right now, mine's sitting on my desk, you know. Um, I'm fixing a holster, so that's why it's there. But all my employees carry them here, and we don't have issues in the store because we're all responsible. We know what we're doing with them. We go, we go through the training. We go through recertifications. We genuinely care about our fellow man.
0: Another national effort began in January of this year. Today is also a day of action. We say enough is enough uh,
8: by finally bringing common sense bipartisan background check legislation to the floor of the House.
0: Isn't that exciting? Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi and the new democratically controlled House of Representatives introduced a bill to expand background checks to cover almost all gun purchases. It will likely pass the House, but over in the Senate, which is controlled by Republicans, passage is unlikely. That effort has the full backing of many of the Parkland families, like Manny Oliver. His son Joaquin was murdered at Stoneman Douglas, and he's dedicated his life to the cause of gun control. And he's doing it through a series of social media campaigns designed to challenge thinking on the issue.
4: His name was Joaquin Oliver, who's going to be 18, but now he's dead. And that's not a joke.
0: That was Manny recently responding to a stand-up comedy bit by comedian Louis C.K. Louis C.K.'s bit poked fun at the Parkland survivors. I met with Manny at his office a few weeks ago, and I asked him about several of his campaigns, like a mock advertisement for greeting cards for victims of school shootings. So when somebody watches that ad or some of the other provocative ads that you've done, what do you want them to think? What, what do you want them to mentally evolve how, from? This is how it's going to work.
4: I think that, um, and it's already happening, the NRA and the gun lobby are losing power convincing people that they are an option. Those number, those percentages of followers and, and people that, of supporters, it's dropping really fast on their side and it's increasing on the same speed on our side so more people will refuse to support any politician that is aligned with the gun lobby that's a perfect reachable goal okay we voted on november i voted on november for the first time in this country by the way
1: mm-hmm.
4: and and now i'm expecting that people that got elected from me and from from the group that i belong to that they will start bringing solutions to our issues. They know our issues. Let's be more specific, the the gun violence. However, I'm not gonna stay home waiting for four years for them to bring the solution. I need to become a reminder, a permanent reminder of why they were elected. That's why I do these things. And I think they need that. And I had this conversation with politicians, people in Congress, and I told them, I'm here to help you approve our ideas. I'm not in Congress. I don't want to be in Congress. I couldn't be doing what I'm doing if I was in Congress. Mm-hmm. So, but I can certainly give you tools so you have more support, public support, society support, that will probably make your life easier when you bring a point to any commission or to any session in Congress. That's my role now. Then they will vote. Background checks, it's happening right now.
0: Stan Parkland wants to see movement on that particular issue.
6: Maybe we need to see some universal background checks to keep weapons out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them.
0: Tony Montalto is the president of Stan Parkland.
6: It's not to say you shouldn't be allowed to own them. We're here in America. The Second Amendment is live and well. But it is not a standalone law. It's part of the Constitution. It's part of the fabric of our nation. And with that fabric your right to own a weapon shouldn't impede my child's right to come home safely from school. So we, ha- again, have to find some compromise in there. And I think the Marjorie Snowman Douglas High School Public Safety Act was a good start to that. And I think uh, possibly um, universal background checks for all sales would be a next uh, logical step to go through in order to uh, help keep everyone safer. That's the ultimate goal here, it's to keep people safe not to take anything away from anybody, it's to keep everyone safe.
0: Tony mentioned compromise. We all know that compromise on the gun issue has been elusive for decades. And the Parkland shooting in many ways seems to have divided Americans on the issue even further in some regard. Just listen to Ryan Petty, whose daughter Elena was murdered at Stoneman Douglas. He told me that the memory of Elena and who she was has focused that issue for him.
5: She was friends with everyone and just had this innate ability to bring to bring others together and make them feel good and uh, and like I said in many ways she's an example to me of of the path forward and how to solve this ironically Um,
0: which is what distill that for me
5: trying to find the areas where where we have where we have or we can build consensus for change and to avoid the things that drive contention and drive and drive people apart and, and, and will never and will never um, uh, will never agree on and therefore will never be part of the solution um, when you get to the extremes of the issue on 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 either side but particularly now the gun control issue it's just a contentious it's a contentious issue um, Half the country thinks one thing, half the country thinks something else. It's very difficult to drive consensus. And and, and unfortunately, you get people pulling to the sides, pulling away from each other, unwilling to actually have a conversation and talk to each other. So Ryan is trying to find part of that consensus. As he told me in
0: another episode of this podcast, they're trying to take the ground on these issues that they can take with one thing in mind, saving lives. But this begs the question, after the calls of never again and this time must be different, are we really any closer to preventing or deterring school shootings?
8: We begin with breaking news. It's happened again, another deadly school shooting, this time in Santa Fe, Texas,
0: where at least eight people have been killed. Last May, just three months after Parkland, there was another mass shooting at an American school. It prompted questions that we've asked over and over again. When does it stop? Are more laws the answer? Are fewer laws the answer? Is it possible for people to truly be responsible with their firearms? Will arming teachers help? That's a question we'll tackle in another episode of this podcast series. It's clear that Parkland altered the discussion about guns in this country. And there have been some incremental changes on the local and state level in terms of gun laws and efforts to keep guns from people who are found to be dangerous. In another episode of this podcast, we'll discuss one of those laws, risk protection orders. For gun control advocates and people demanding responsible firearms ownership, Parkland proved their work will take time. And after speaking to many of them, they realized this is a process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Those most affected by the violence in Parkland one year ago are adamant that their voices and their work will lead to protections from gun violence. I asked Fred Guttenberg about these initial changes and the Parkland effect on the gun debate. Does that give you some hope, gratification? Do you think a lot of that is from Parkland?
9: Well, it is. Um, with it, it, <laughs> unfortunately, if not for the death of, of my daughter and 16 others, this none of this would be happening. Um, gun safety is coming. It's already happening state by state, city by city. Um, To be truly effective, you need national legislation, but step by step, it's happening.
0: On the next episode of Parkland, one year later...
3: This should never have happened. There were so many people that made mistakes.
0: We examine the failures in school safety that led to the Parkland tragedy. Are our schools safer today than they were on February 14th?
5: What's going to prevent the next murderer from bringing a gun a handgun onto campus tomorrow.
0: That's on the next episode of Parkland, One Year Later.